But I wish someone had talked to me like I want to talk to you. Oh. Chapter 51 Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. On the plane ride back, Mary and I discussed the ostrich farm at Shadowmere. The ostrich business was changing from a speculative market into a producer market, dropping the ostrich's value. During the upswing, fertile eggs were selling for $1,000, and three-month-old chicks were selling for $2,500. John paid $100,000 for two laying hens and a rooster. These high prices were not sustainable. We all recognized it. That's why we developed the Ostrich Slaughterhouse Co-op at Avenal State Prison. Dana had done what he needed. He got the meat packing plant up and running. But when we started slaughtering birds, we couldn't turn a profit unless the prices of the meat came down. Dana hired a person to actively and solely market the ostrich meat. However, it was almost impossible to sell the meat to outlets other than a few high-end restaurants routinely cooking it. Because the meat has little fat, it becomes hard to eat if it is cooked anywhere above the level of a rare piece of steak, 
you know, where the tissue is hot, but the juice flowing from the done piece of meat is red and not clear. The resulting steak is objectionable to anyone who prefers medium rare to well done steaks. We also could not get the price down to a competitive level with beef. Finally, Americans prefer eating chicken, beef, and pork routinely. Periodically, they will eat lamb, and once or twice a year, will eat turkey. Once in a great while, they purchase Cornish game hens. There was no consumer demand for our product, especially given the high price. Dana's marketing fellow moved some meat, but at the end of the year, 1,400 pounds of meat were in the Avenal freezers, waiting for the market to get going. The downside of creating a market for ostrich meat was it priced out the middlemen, such as our ranch. We'd have to charge a lot less for boarding, incubation, and hatching to stay in business. Mary knew that meant continuing a 24-hour-a-day job for a lot less money. She didn't want to do it anymore. She had two small children and a husband she wanted to be able to devote all of her attention to. I agreed. I wasn't willing to oversee the operations either. But the drop-off for us was quicker than expected. Demand for our hatch services waned, and the income from the hatching business dropped steadily. We had to lay off the kid's nanny, and Mary, who was thoroughly burned out with the mess, just wanted to raise the kids. We closed the hatch services down and sold our large walk-in incubators to other ranches still wanting to give the business a try. My ostrich consultation service was also suffering for the same financial reasons. The profit margin on these birds plummeted, and the new prices could not justify veterinary oversight. Late in spring 1997, I submitted another talk to the AAAV, and they accepted my latest lecture, Assessing the Down Bird. I was to speak in Reno, Nevada, in mid-September. The mood of the experienced ostrich vets at the seminar was subdued. We were all experiencing the slow death of this new industry. I had gotten so caught up in the new possibilities, I never took a step out of my circle to see this was just another financial bubble. We had ostriches at our farm for 10 years, and although I had risen to the top through perseverance and hard work, I realized those skills were as useful as being an OBGYN in charge of medical care of a pro football team. It was the same with my extramarital relationship. I was still going through the motions. Susan was with me in Reno, but our future was bleak as well. Those same feelings of, why am I spending this time with her, resurfaced. Remembering the long week in Philly brought back those doubts. I brought a new book with me, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. Maybe it was reading this very book that soured me on Susan, because I remember finally wondering, why couldn't I try this with Mary? It was doable. I just never thought about it with her before. Susan and I finished lunch in Susanville. We were on an extended road trip through Northern California, en route to San Francisco from Reno. It was desolate and windy, so we hurried back in the car. Sue was driving. I picked up the book, but was tired of reading it. I was tired of a lot of things. As we drove in silence, real doubts visited me. Too many questions remained as I reviewed the last few years. I began to wonder what exactly caused me to leave my locally contained world of veterinary medicine and branch out in such an unpredictable manner. I never started vet school to be a zoo vet, an ostrich vet. I never got married to get divorced. Somewhere I had misread the cues and was following the wrong path. Intelligence and learning can unlock knowledge, allowing for significant accomplishments, but only wisdom brings inner peace. John Kay has been a neighbor on the Werewero for over 30 years. 
he stopped by for help with a woodworking project. We were having coffee in the house before we headed off to the woodshop. John recently had problems with the Employment Development Services in California and was given a financial penalty he needed to pay. I asked him how he was handling the stress. He told me every time a crisis developed, which seems insurmountable, there is always a way to work through the problem. He reminisced that ten years ago, his divorce almost destroyed him, and other issues he was experiencing seemed overwhelming. But John kept on. Today, he says those old problems seem mild in comparison to ones he encountered later. He advised me not to allow myself to become consumed by today's issues. Although a current problem may appear insurmountable, a solution eventually does appear, turning paralysis into a workable solution. Wisdom cannot be imparted solely by achieving knowledge. I suggest that gaining understanding is a gathering of three elements within one's lifetime. First, a person needs to be able to learn ideas and to be able to work with those ideas. Therefore, the first element is identified as knowledge. The second element is experience, and the third part is empathy. Wisdom comes only after these three entities coalesce. I have lived a long, long time before I developed empathy. It takes some people many years to lose their self-centeredness, to begin thinking about others outside of their narcissistic world. For me, the enlightenment started when we had children. I am a man, and some men require extra time to develop compassion. I recall an article that suggested the more testosterone a person has, the less likely the person is to promote feelings of empathy. Pushing away a hormonal answer, I do realize women seem able to create understanding sooner than men. But this is likely due to the maternal instincts hardwired into them from years and years of evolving as a successful caretaker and nurturer. I never felt the call to cultivate empathy until we brought two children into our family. That's when my self-focus changed, morphing into worry for the children. I feel the focus of having a family develops empathy in a person, and because women are concentrated on this a lot earlier than men, they show compassion a lot sooner. The third tripod needed to support wisdom is the experience. It makes no difference whether the lesson is that of achievement or failure. Some feel it also makes no difference whether the experience is real or imagined. In his book, psycho author Maxwell Maltz outlines the benefit of mentally running through a task beforehand to strengthen the neural pathways. Dr. Maltz maintains the opinion that running through a future mission over and over again in one's mind enables a person to work through a current real-world problem more efficiently. Maltz writes about Conrad Hilton playing hotel in his house for many years before he was able to exercise his desires in real life. Flight simulators use this idea. These are machines a pilot trains with various emergency scenarios playing out during fake flight simulations. The mind sees this as a real learning experience, and the pilot becomes comfortable facing the unknown. Still, there is no substitute for real experience, because only then will a person truly know that he has the chutzpah to be a hero when needed. Only when someone can say six words, I've been there, I've done that, will he possess the real confidence that he can do it. End of chapter. Just
Thank you for listening. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book.
or an ebook, as well as an 11 disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.